Excellent. I want to invite you to remain standing as we read some of the scripture that we studied just last week. It'll be on the screen behind me. We see in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, So get rid of all evil behaviors. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him for those who reject him. The stone has the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you, you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession as a result. You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Lord, we pray tonight that you would speak clearly, that you would show us your presence, your love, your grace, and then we may just get a, get a glimpse of you and your kingdom. God, change us now. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please be seated. Um, Welcome to the third week in our series called This Is Not Your Home. My name is Jason Mick. If I haven't had an opportunity to meet some of you, just one of our uh, pastors here on the team. Um, so over the past two weeks, we have dived into this, this study where we're really looking at a little bit of a destination, if you will. Uh, where are we going? What is heaven like? Um, what is our role here on earth? And if you were here the very first week, Amanda did a great job in speaking on how we are foreigners of this world. We are not of this world, but we're here temporarily as pilgrims, okay? And that God has prepared a city for his people. Last week, uh, what we heard was that um, how, how do we live as people of God's kingdom here on earth when technically this is not our home? So how do we live of residence here on this earth when this is not really our home. This is a temporary place. And if you remember, Jay Gray talked about how he liked to pee in the pool. Y'all remember that, right? Y'all heard the same thing I heard, right? That Jay Gray likes to pee in the pool. Y'all remember that? Okay, well, Jay Gray talked about peeing in the pool and how we don't necessarily like to just hang out there and there's a whole ideology. Guess what? You can go listen to that message along with Amanda's on the podcast. So be sure you have the Second Students North app. Go check out the podcast and you guys can get caught up and re-listen to those as well. But let me ask us a couple questions tonight. Have you ever thought about heaven? Has anybody ever tonight out there thought about heaven or just final eternal destination? Cool, all two of you. I paid for you to raise your hands. Awesome. So 
what does it look like? What does heaven look like? Uh, how can we imagine what it would look like? And how do we desire, how do we desire heaven and God? How do, we, how do we absolutely, if we can't necessarily picture, if we can't understand it, how do we have a desire for it? When we look around in this temporary world and we see so much brokenness, how in the world can we envision heaven when we see so much brokenness? Let me ask you this. If you could paint a picture of an ideal life for you, what would that look like for you? If you could come up with the best case scenario for your life, what would it look like? Or perhaps... What do you want in life? What are some things you want? I know we just got past Christmas and you probably had some, some Christmas wish list items, but what do you want out of life? Like what's the end goal in your life? What's the end game of your life? It's a great game I've, I've played throughout the years, a little game called Would You Rather? You guys ever played Would You Rather? Yes, for instance, would you rather, if I said tonight I would give you $100,000 or in five years, I will give you $5 million, what would you say? Of, well, that's, that seems so obvious, but what if I just like changed up a little bit and said, hey, we're all gonna go to Chick-fil-A or we're all gonna go to Canes? Chick-fil-A? Canes. Oh, we got some rivalry, sorry, Connor. Um, man, we, we got some choices, or how about this? How about this? Um, all of you, I believe, know what this is, right? Yes, what is this called? A happy meal. Yay. It's for a boy. When, when I went and ordered it, they're like, is it for a boy or a girl? I'm like, is that, <laughs> what? Um, so it's for a boy, so I guess I can give this to my son later. Ooh, it's a one-eyed uh, zombie dude. Okay, um, but in here, you know, you got all sorts of little things, like little french fries. How many of you guys, be honest, like be honest. Uh, I know we don't have tons of McDonald's fans, but just a simple cheeseburger or double cheese, how many are like, this is some good stuff, okay? I'll be honest, like you get a double cheese and maybe like a spicy McChicken, ooh, that can kind of hit a spot. How many are like just so disgusted by McDonald's right now, you're like, get that out of my face. Okay, I'm a, th- okay. All right. How many of you guys have ever done fast food? You've ever done fast food? You've driven through a drive through window, you have ordered by number, like yes, I would like a number two, okay, perfect. Excellent, you're honest. I have a funny confession. My sweet wife, uh, when we were down at the Woodway campus, this was about nine, 10 years ago, uh, we had a little camp out event and I asked her to go pick up some food for us. And she went down to Waterburger to get some, get some food. And she is not a fast food person. My wife is really healthy and she has taught me a lot about how to treat my body. And she called me and she goes, I'm really confused. They, I have to order by number, I don't understand. She had never ordered through a drive-thru before. She didn't know you could say, I want a number one, okay? So just a little insight to my sweet wife. Um, but all of us could admit that we've gone through fast food, but why do we do it? Well, we've had a taste and we think it's, it's good enough for us to stop and it's, it's cheap and it's convenient, right? It's convenient. Now, if I threw out an option, if we were still playing, would you rather? And I said to you, you could either settle for a simple McDonald's cheeseburger or if I said to you, if you could wait a little bit longer, we're gonna have some nice filet mignons. How many of y'all would choose the filet mignon steaks? See, some of you are smart, okay? Some of you are smart. Now, you, you would kind of, you'd kind of think, well, that's, that's such an obvious question. Well, my question to you is, is it really so obvious? Is it really so obvious? 
When I asked you the question earlier, when I said, what is it that you really want in life? The problem is so many of us are willing, willing to give up quality for convenience. We're willing to choose the now, the desire for now, the quick, the cheap, the easy, the fast, and sacrifice the amazing. Our desires are somewhat skewed. And if you actually had the perfect life, let me ask you this question. In your mind, if the perfect life that you designed came true, would it actually satisfy you? Would you be completely satisfied with the life that you said you wanted? Have you ever wanted something so badly, so much, that you finally got it and you realize that's not necessarily what you wanted? It was a little bit of a letdown. I think we've all experienced that at some point in our life. And I can think back even in my life through the years, achievements. That you've accomplished something, whether it be receiving an award, a grade, You've done something to achieve a reward, but for whatever reason, it just simply wasn't enough. It didn't make you as happy as you thought it would. And this is where Paul talks to us tonight in Philippians chapter three. He had a long list of achievements, a long list of things that he could be proud in and boast in. If we had more time tonight, I would explain more of this, but I wanna pick it up in chapter three, verse eight, where Paul says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. Y'all say scubula. Everyone say scubula. Okay, he says rubbish. But the Greek word there is scubula. Paul's cussing. <laughs> You're like, what? He's really saying a bad word there. That word means poo-poo. That's really what that word means. Paul is writing to a church in Philippi, which is a kind of like a retirement place in, in, in the Rome area, okay? Where people who have, like a lot of generals retire in this area. He's happy with the church of Philippi. He loves the church of Philippi, and he's writing to these people warning them against these Christian Jews who were once, okay, they were Jews, so they lived by the law, they entered into a relationship with Jesus, but they were kind of mixing up some truths, and they began telling people, hey listen, there are certain things you must do in order to receive faith, there are things that you must do in order to accomplish salvation, which is not true, and Paul's sitting there saying, listen, I've got a long list of my stuff, and compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior, who, what, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them scubula, that I may gain Christ. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. Do you catch this? Paul is saying, I know him from the tribe of Benjamin. I know that I, I, I know the law. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I know I have accomplished so much, but I consider it Scubula, so that I might just know Jesus Christ. It's interesting because Paul is really describing his desires. He's describing his passions and his focus. He clearly points out that he has a high value for the eternal. This right here, when we choose to value 
the happy meal, the convenient, the cheap of life, the easy decisions, the things that we see in this world that we talked about last week, giving in to certain things, like, oh, I'll just fool around right now as a teenager doing these certain things, not keeping my eyes on the prize. You see, we choose that because this seems, this is a process. This is ready, right? I can take this right now, it's simple. But if I would be willing to take this, see that it's got so much, it's so much better for me, I understand that, listen, I'm gonna have to prep it, I'm gonna have to cook it, and yes, we could be a little, you know, cavemanish and pick it up and just eat it, right? No, what do we do? What do we do? Fork and knife. And we sit down and we, what do we have to do? We have to kind of put some effort into it, right? How many of your parents still kind of cut up your food for you? It's okay, in a minute, all right, we'll pray for you, okay. Um, well, what happens? You actually have to put some, you gotta put some effort into it, but when you put that piece of steak in your mouth, so good. Some of y'all, some of y'all can see you're like, my mouth is salivating. This is so worth it. Valuing temporary success over eternal satisfaction. Woo, huge, huge. Understand this, students. When we're talking about eternity, that God did not create you for time. He created you for eternity. We have to grasp this thing called time and eternity, that our focus is not here on this earth and what we see around us, but God created you and destined you for all of eternity. Even in the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and he created Adam and Eve and everything was good and it was perfect, he had in mind perfect creation, perfect unity with his people and centered in and separated that. But that did not stop eternity. That did not stop God's plan of reconciliation and saying, I know we are broken on this time, but for eternity you will be with me if you know my son Jesus. See, God gave Paul incredible insights. God was changing his desires, changing his vantage point. And Paul's telling us here, because he says, all these things, my list, is worthless. Paul's saying to you and me tonight that your value and my value is not found in success or achievements on earth, but it's only found in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's saying to us. So he picks up in verses 13 through 14 here, he says this, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved. Listen, he's admitting he's not perfect. Can y'all relate to that? Can y'all relate tonight that he is not perfect? Can y'all say, man, I can relate to that. You know, I've done some good things in my life. I made some A's and B's and I've done some really cool things with sports, but you know what? I've messed up, I'm not perfect. And Paul's saying that too, he's like, listen, I've not got it perfect. I've sinned, I've messed up. But what does he say? He says, I focus. He's saying, I have a desire and I wanna take that desire and I don't wanna settle for this. I don't wanna settle for the weakness of just being happy, but I wanna delight in, the, in God's best and God's future and all of eternity. And he's saying, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Blackaby says this, he says, to be loved by God 
is the highest relationship. To be loved by God is the highest achievement, and to be loved by God is the highest position in life. That right there is Paul's prize. Desiring heaven, desiring God, we, we think of heaven. Yes, it is a physical place that God goes before us and has prepared a mansion for you and I if we're in Jesus Christ. He has prepared a place for you in a physical place. But even more so, desiring God in heaven means desiring to simply just be in the presence of God. You see, we can experience his kingdom even here on earth when we choose the desire to walk with him now, not settling, but valuing. Desiring God boils down to something very, very practical. Desiring God boils down to whether God is the center of your life or your life revolves around you. Desiring God, it boils down to whether or not God is truly at the center of your life or your life revolves around you. I'll leave you with this. In Matthew 6, 19 through 21, 33, Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Our job, if we're going to desire God, desire heaven, is to not seek after the achievements of this world, the pressures of this world, but fix our eyes on the prize that which is before us through Christ Jesus. Jesus is not impressed with your feet. He's impressed with your faith. Did you catch that? He is not impressed with your achievements. He's impressed with your faith. And as foreigners, of this wor- as foreigners of this world, but as ambassadors of this kingdom, students, listen, as, as he just said, we must love the Lord our God with all that we are. We must invest into his kingdom. We must seek his kingdom, and we must desire and live for his kingdom. That is our calling. And if we are going to desire God, desire heaven, our true home, we've got to take a, an evaluation and say, What do I really want in life? Are my wants and desires matching up with God or the world? Am I settling for the cheap and the now in this world? Am I willing to invest, prepare, and enjoy God's best?